We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Holy and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Well, the Bears had their big wow, and that was certainly an interesting thing to see and to listen to. And five more coaches, I believe, fired. They now are up to seven for the season. If you consider Alan Williams, who was kind of forced to resign to be one of those coaches. So seven new coaches for uh, for Matt Eberflus. Matt Eberflus back. We heard from him. We heard from Ryan Poles. They were together. Most of the questions go into polls. And uh, and certainly it was interesting to uh, listen to Kevin Warren uh, after the fact. And, um, you know, all in all, David, it was a kind of Bears-like news conference. The only difference, they just sat there forever and answered every question. Morning, Molly. Yeah, uh, it was a long press conference. Nobody can complain about them cutting off the questioning early. They addressed every issue. I don't think the answers – uh, met everyone's satisfaction. I think when you look at Kevin Warren talking after Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles, is he still talking? Because he talked a lot. I'm not sure how much he said, but right. he did talk a lot. And I think when you step back and you look at all that was said and how it was explained, the biggest winner of the day was Matt Eberflus because I think that was the biggest story. Matt Eberflus being retained, to me, was a bigger deal than – Luke Gessie getting fired because of how how much we wondered the longer it went if they would take a big swing. And so Matt Eberflus was a big winner. The city of Chicago came out looking like it was a winner based on Kevin Warren's comments about the stadium. We'll get to that. Yeah. But I think overall it was the first time that in the year that Kevin Warren's been on the job that I really felt like there was an inca- incompatibility between – the rhetoric and the result. That's the that's the problem. And I, I don't want to go full cynical mode here, and I'm I don't want to be like. How many of those have you been through? A lot, a how lot. Many, how many coordinators have you seen? Oh, cast asunder. <laughs> it's a long list. When you can look at the list of coordinators for the Bears that have called play since tw- in the last twenty years. Sure. That's how long I've been here. There have been two guys who have been there for three seasons only, and that's. Uh, Ron Turner. Ron Turner. And John Shoup. Times. Yep. And John Shoup. So. Dick Duran was incredibly loyal to John Shoup. There's been a lot of days where you see those news conferences in your cynical and you, you, you have the similar reaction. I thought that this year would be different because of the presence of Kevin Warren. And when you talk about big dreams and ambitions as it relates to the stadium and your football operation, and you retain a coach who's 10 and 24 in two seasons – I understand why they did it, and I, I even think it's defensible and justified. But you have to adjust your rhetoric. You have to be able to read the room. I'm not sure that I came out of that understanding the ambition with the execution. I think that the you're correct that Dick Duran's uh, – Dick Duran. Matt Eberflew's surviving 
is the story of the day. Matt Eberflus surviving. The fact that they have to replace half the coaching staff, the fact that they they nobody nobody can sell losing like the Bears. And I I felt they were selling their losing. I felt it was all hopes and dreams and everybody wants to come here. You know why? Because we're on the way up because we got all this draft capital because we're going to be the the next hot team. I've heard that before. Mm -hmm. I have heard that for about 30 years, David, to Mm -hmm. be brutally honest about Mm -hmm. it. And I think – um, that when I when I look at um, at where the Bears are at, I can't I can't sit here and tell you that they are in sync. I I can tell you that they all like each other and they all kind of decided that they were going to change the coordinator. There was no there, there you know the 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 news if we're going to call it news is that. They the coach survived. That's news. Uh, Jalen Johnson's not going anywhere. That's news. The um, the stadium thing. Well, you know, I'd love to do it in Chicago. That's interesting. That's news. That's interesting. But it, that was that. I didn't expect that. But is any of it a long term answer? Is the coach who's facing kind of a well? It's got to be better this year. 2024, they better be ready to start the season. Yeah, they, they better. better be yeah. ready to win close games. Right. And, you know, who are you hiring? How advanced is that process? You got to get to that. There are actually some really good candidates well, that's, out there. That That is true, too. And I think the quality of the candidates that will become available, and some already are, Shane yes. Waldron from the Seahawks. That's a real good That's one. a really good that, way to that, pivot. If they if they bring him in, that's pretty good. And you know, Sean McVay sneezed on him at one point. I know. I think that Shane Waldron may have gotten coffee for Sean McVay there at one point. There you go. So there's, this, there's the connection. That's how it's done. But I think when you look at a guy that called plays for Pete Carroll, but the numbers aren't great this year. There are all all kinds of statistics you could point to to be, be skeptical about Shane Waldron. But around the league, he is respected, and he does meet a lot of the criteria, which is why, Molly, when we go back to this conversation before what we heard yesterday, all of it was, well, you need the alignment with the offensive coordinator. You know, who are they going to get? I still maintain, and I think Shane Waldron's a good example of this. This job will attract quality candidates because of the opportunity to potentially work with the number one overall draft pick. And I don't think the job uncertainty – the future with Matt Eberflus and the contractual realities and all that, that can be overstated. And I think that if you look at around the league, there's going to be offensive co- coordinators and play callers that view Chicago as a real opportunity. Yeah. I, 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 you know, not only that, maybe you come in, you do a good job and you get your, your the guy you're working for, it, you get his job. I, I use I, it as a springboard. Here's the problem. As a career catapult. The problem is that they lost 10 games. Double-digit losses yet again. Right. And they did lose that game at the end of the year to the Packers. I know uh, that Kevin Warren didn't take the tag off his bag uh, for, for a few days because he wanted to see it and remember what happened. It It is – I got to tell you, David, you're hiring seven new coaches. So, it, it, you know, the, the – Defensive coordinator did a good enough job to, that you want him around. That's basically what I heard. That's 
and, the head coach. And that's well, that's, <laughs> but it's is he? Yeah. Did he do a good job as the head coach? Well, if he's got to fire everybody, he's got to do year. a better job as the head coach because the the ticker, the assistant coach ticker, is at ten after two seasons. Yes, he's had to. That's ridiculous. He's had ten coaches come and go. That's not the way to inspire confidence. <laughs> And I think they didn't do an adequate enough job of explaining or accepting responsibility for that no. kind of turnover. No, they blame I, one guy. I, I don't really – while we're looking at what Kevin Warren said and relating it to the assistant coaching situation, I also – if there's one area that I thought that it was incomplete or inadequate in the way he addressed it was when he lawyered up about Alan Williams and then all he said was that he was a fine man, I, I wondered if there was a follow-up. We'll talk to Big Z Grody and Mark Potash today. I wonder if Kevin Warren, if his relationship with Alan Williams compromised at all his judgment in talking about him or in the way that was handled. The, it, it, because I, I felt like he did lawyer up. And you have to take responsibility for something that was that big at the time and remains a, – that's a blot on Matt Eberflus's resume. That situation, he brought him into the organization. And then Alan Williams embarrassed the organization. And they forced him to make changes in the staff they weren't prepared to make. You don't go into the season expecting your head coach to call defensive signals. Now, all's well that ends well. Matt Eberflus benefited from that adversity. Sure but again, did. stop taking credit for adversity you created. That's the problem. That for is for the surviving problem. the adversity that you create for yourself. That is that, And it happened all over the place. Listen, you know, I, I – I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, like, oh, no, they lost Luke Getzey. I don't feel that way at all. I, I, nobody I think, does. Yeah, I think that they, they did what they had to do, which is move on. But I now the, now you're out of sync. Now you got a head coach who's a defensive-minded head coach. Hopefully he'll hire a, an offensive coordinator who has done the job before who is not just moving up, and there are a lot of different possibilities. Yep. But hopefully you'll hire one who will be able to look at the draft class and give an opinion about who fits best and what they do best. This multiple idea that they expressed, that is, that, that's supposed to be every coach in the league. You're supposed to eventually get to an offense that works best for the players that you have. And the idea that it took so long to get there is you know so what if if uh, if things had happened differently earlier? I just think that if you're giving everyone leeway and you're now you got now you're out of sync again. Now you got a coach who could be fired after next year, and he's going to be doing what exactly with trying to figure out the quarterback, reading human being? Well, he's a human being. I, I mean, it, it, a lot of it, a lot of it was was noise. Okay, I, I understand why you say that. Here's what I uh, – And how about this one? Matt Eberflus said that it was his decision to get rid of Luke Etsy. And Ryan Poles said that it was his decision to keep Matt Eberflus. So everything was done by committee, and everybody just had the same opinion. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I don't necessarily Has believe that. Has that ever happened? I don't necessarily believe that. I think they have to say that. I think that it it was difficult for Matt Eberflus to fire Luke Getze and the offensive staff, everybody but Chris Morgan and the tight ends coach. I, I think that Matt Eberflus was strongly persuaded to dismiss the offensive staff, and it was probably – uh, I don't want to say against his better judgment, but I do think that it was difficult in the execution of the firing. Didn't sound like it. It, but I, I think he probably he read he he, he read the writing on the wall. No question, he had to do that. Yes, but I'm just saying it wasn't easy for him but, to do. I know that. But he never said anything like that because he talked about he talked about the the uh, the development, the growth wasn't there. There wasn't that. It wasn't there, so we had to make the move. I, I, I mean, David, you could have thrown the guy a bone of some kind, and they didn't do that. I, I you know, when asked about Allen Williams, you you saw the the team president kind of throw him a bone. Yeah, there was a little bit more humanity shown toward Allen Williams, the guy who embarrassed the organization exactly. more than Luke Getze, who who did not uh, he did not do the job, but he always represented the Bears in a first class manner. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying there. Here's the one thing, big picture, that I also came away with that I was struck by. And, th- and this might not be fair, but it was my reaction. I feel like the Bears right now are, are on the verge of something potentially very special. Yes. They are turning the corner because they have draft capital. They have the number one pick. I agree. They have cap space, and they have a defense that you can use as your identity and you build on your foundation. I didn't sense that they went into this public forum with an ability to project for an hour and a half. They were more in a defensive posture than they were with selling what was good and telling us why this season was the beginning of something that everyone's going to enjoy in Chicago. I just didn't feel that vibe. I didn't get that kind of energy. And it is maybe an intangible, and maybe it is all we're reading too much in the communication skills or lack thereof. But I wanted to sense authority, assertiveness, and confidence that the Bears are on the verge of breaking through. And they were answering a lot of questions that had related to what they didn't do. Let me tell you something. Rather than what they're going to do. All of this, everything with the dog and pony show yesterday, all of it comes down to whether they make the right decision at quarterback. That That is really the only question. And whether that's Justin Fields, they did a good job of defending Justin Fields while also sort of understanding the reality that they are in a unique situation. And you hear the general manager, he's not going early. He's not He's not – Taking you know, it to if April. You, if you want the pick, call me. We <laughs> call can me. talk. We'll talk until but, April. Yes. <laughs> but, Molly, they did do a nice job of, of, of making Justin Fields feel appreciated yes. and what he's done. But let me ask you this. He's gone. Is that the question? <laughs> how, do you, how do you dismiss an offensive coaching staff because your offense failed and is stagnant? And in the same breath say, we're going to bring back the quarterback and give him a third offensive coordinator in four years, and he was the guy running the offense that went nowhere. I, I just don't think it's realistic unless they find – unless something dramatically – Something happens dramatically in the pre-draft process of vetting Caleb Williams, and it still could. Yeah. Or Drake May still yes. could. Yes. What they did yesterday, they protected themselves, but it wasn't 
a full-throated endorsement for Justin Fields yesterday. No, it wasn't. No, it was it was we are in a unique situation and we got to look at everything and what's best for the They're trying to thread the needle. They're, it's it's a difficult thing to do, but they you know, if you were in the Fields camp, got to keep Justin, you are delighted this morning because you heard some things that you believe. If you are in the the camp that they need a new quarterback and that this hasn't worked and every play has to break down for them to be successful. You heard what you wanted to hear. They did a good job of basically telling both sides exactly what they want to hear. They have some practice in doing that because they spent last off season in a similar situation. Yes. But this is more, this is more uh, pressing of a matter because there are different quarterbacks available, and you're one more year into the Justin Fields Evaluation. era yes. and evaluation. Yes. And there are some financial realities exactly that, that are right. coming around the corner. That's it. And you, you, there's, it's more than just committing to a style of play yeah. or forgiving uh, a, a quarterback for some, some uh, passing deficiencies. This is about – if you go with Justin Fields next year, you're going down a road that you have to be ready to pay him sooner rather than later, and that's a big commitment that I'm not sure they're ready to make. Yeah, I, it's going to be really interesting. I, I mean, I I feel confident in saying that they're going to have a new quarterback. I don't know that it's going to be the first pick in the draft. Um, I think that the way that he was talking would lead you to believe that he's – suspicious is that the word he's just apprehensive maybe is better about Caleb Williams aware Caleb Williams is the number one no doubt about it and I think when you hear him say that stuff that's kind of what he's saying he's acknowledging the skepticism he's acknowledging the suspicions if you will that he's acknowledging the noise around this prospect and he's vowing to figure out Fact, what's fact and what's fiction and what's what's myth and what's reality. Because, you know, a lot of the stuff about the father, we don't know. A lot of the right. stuff about what kind of guy he is, we don't know. You can find a coaches quoted as saying he's a great guy to have in the locker room. You can find guys saying that, you know what, he's a problem child. Ryan Poles has to find out with his staff exactly what makes him tick. Because it is a different environment in Chicago. This is a market that can be unkind to quarterbacks. And you better have a thick skin, and you better have mental toughness. Those are things you don't know about Caleb Williams beyond the other measurables that you can see on tape. The tape doesn't lie, but you need to see him in person before you're sure. I, I think there's a lot there. I, I am not arguing any of that, and that's called doing your due diligence. I mean, that is, that's incumbent upon any draft meister to make sure that you have that question answered. Before you bring the guy in, right? And I and I think that that's it's good to know that that you are going to go through that entire process. You know, you're not trading the pick in February. You're not trying to get out of the uh, the business of of learning all this stuff early, regardless of how good the deal may have been. He was asked about C.J. Stroud a couple of times. The first time, he wanted no part of it and and wanted everyone to know that he wasn't talking about other teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but the question is, are you going to pass on a C.J. Stroud again? That's really what the, the mm-hmm. question is, and how do you go it's about it? It's a good question. It's an excellent question. <laughs> 
And on the second go-round, he kind of defended his trade. And look at all that we got out of it. And at some point, someone said, if you looked at this time last year, the number one overall pick was a consensus. And everyone knew who it was. And then there ended up being a car accident. And all of a sudden, Jalen Carter, Jalen Carter's fallen like a rock. And the Bears passed on him twice. Right. They traded down, still could have had him, and passed on him again. So I just, I think we all need to be aware of the limited amount of work they apparently did uh, in the in the uh, draft while trading down. It is an interesting question and debate whether or not Ryan Poles, had he taken C.J. Stroud with that pick and held on to it rather than all of the other assets that he acquired by trading down, which we're all celebrating as and calling one of the best trades in Chicago sports history. But on the other hand, if you have a guy like C.J. Stroud, I think this is the intent of the question and the spirit of it, would you complain about not having a right tackle? Would you complain about not having maybe another piece? You would have your quarterback that you have searched for for decades. In, would you be in the playoffs? You might because, be. Because he's in the he's playoffs. He's in the playoffs. And you've got 10 losses. And a year ago, the Texans were saying, where are we going? We're going around and around in circles because this is a franchise that is stuck. They got the quarterback, and it's amazing. They're unstuck. They're headed places. And, the, and the, I think the life lesson out of that is that as much as you say it is all about we want to build something that's that's going to last, we want to – move up and then still be great and we're going to do it that way that's all fine and well but if you have Patrick Mahomes you're going to be in the playoffs and the Super Bowl pretty much on a yearly basis and close to that every year if you have Patrick Mahomes that's the reality if you have Joe Burrow who's calling plays for him who cares yeah if you have uh Josh Herbert who what do you uh, Josh Allen excuse me yes, Justin Josh Herbert Allen, guys Herbert. like that yes Yes. who are transcendent players. If you can draft a transcendent player at number one, all this other stuff will fall into place. If you have a quarterback, a generational talented quarterback, you start the season eight and eight, and then it's how good can you get and fill other holes, and that will determine whether it's 12 wins or, or whether you're going to be uh, eight, eight and nine. In that, in that division, the conversation will always include the playoff possibilities if you have the right quarterback at the it's right it. time. It's it. Yep. Look at the NFC, man. It, it's wide open right now. That's why I think this is an exciting time. We can pick apart and parse every language that we heard yesterday and every sentence that was uttered. I, I think overall, though, this offseason is exciting. There should I be great totally energy agree. at Hallis Hall. This will set the table for the next five years. And if you get the right quarterback, that it, you're going to have a lot of feasts at that table. Yes, I think that's a good way to put it, and the ambition is there. I just felt like y- you you talk a good game, Kevin Warren, but then you did retain your head coach. So I think you, there was a balance there that I wanted him to strike, and maybe that's expecting too much, but he did talk a lot. I just wanted to hear him say, I still am not quite sure what he thinks of Matt Eberflus. There's no extension coming, right? I did you hear him say that? Uh, I, I, I don't think they're going to extend those secret extensions for the head coach. Did he put it in those terms? No, but I, that's what I heard. I don't think that there will be. I don't think that there should be. I, I don't think it's conceivable. And then, and, He's and 10 if, and 24. And if you come to that conclusion, 
guess what? Then you need to make sure that your coach and your quarterback are on the same timeline. Otherwise, you're going to be having, you know, we're keeping this guy. We're going to let him draft a quarterback. Oh, they, we're going to fire him, but we're stuck with the quarterback. So the new guy has to coach this quarterback. History would be repeating it's itself. Too much. You saw it with Mitch Trubisky. You saw it with Justin Fields. Too you don't want to see it with quarterback to be named later. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.